welcome to this podcast series on neo-charismatic leadership with author, leadership expert and coach, Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader, Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book, Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Welcome back to our listeners, and good to see you again, Gunnar. Uh, I want to thank those listeners that have put comments or questions into us through the website. These comments are useful, and we can adjust the content of our podcasts to address your concerns and ideas. In fact, we've already done so. One question that comes up a lot, though, is, that's fine in a big organization, but what about my small company or my social community group? I think you have something planned for us, right, Gada? Yes, today we are going to look again at stage two, the fourth role, which is formulating a shared vision from the perspective of a leader in a startup or a social or community enterprise. Last time, we mentioned that some people may still see these leaders in a negative way and feel emotional about the transformation that is about to happen or happening as it has disrupted the norms of their lives in the organization. In small groups, however, this is less likely to occur as the mission is very personal to everyone in the group and the distance from the leader is usually very short. Do those leaders also feel the pressure of having to fulfill their obligation towards the vision that uh, or the decision they have declared? Yes. They do, and I leave you, Martin, to answer this question from your experiences. Ah, thank you. Well, yes, the, the simple answer is yes, the pressure is exactly the same on leaders of small groups, but it's a different type of pressure. It's a pressure born of the hopes of all the group members and yourself. Mm. There was a reason for starting the group, right? And generally, every group member wants to contribute aggressively towards the goal. It could be a social injustice. It could be something we're doing to the environment. It could be, it just could be anything. But typically, you're going to have a group of passionate people around the subject. The motivation piece of the puzzle is, is really taken care of in a smaller group because you formed it mm. because you were motivated to make this particular change. And that's great. Also, the status quo is the world around them whatever we do today that they would like to see changed mm -hmm. is not it's not the risk of fear of being changed as in a company change okay that's that's remote it's unlikely that that feeling is going to emerge in fact very little exists and the group members have the job of creating all of the norms the rules and the culture of this new group and that's really exciting so where does the stress come from you ask actually comes from keeping people focused. Yeah. Energized, committed, and engaged people come up with all sorts of ideas and schemes. All very good and innovative, some more useful than others. But the resources of the group at this stage are highly limited, and every resource counts. The goal has to be met, so every dollar spent, every minute of people's time also has to be very well spent. Yeah. Reminding group members of this fact is challenging. It's constant. 
Mm-hmm. And I think harder to tell excited people with good intentions no than people with very little intentions that they have to change. I think that's where the stress comes from. Yeah, and there are still many great tasks ahead of these leaders. Time will always seem a stretch as the creation of an organization seems to take much longer than it should. So as they move forward, they discover more obstacles around them as a group. And yet the goal still must be achieved with limited resources. So the new charismatic leader knows that to get to the goal, time moves very quickly and they must work diligently with their team if anything of what they promised is to happen. Many of formulating the shared vision role is directed to navigating people's thoughts and emotions on a constant basis, making sure that every day, week and month passes, people are still committed to a shared vision that they have spent enough time and continuous effort in crafting previously, to the point that it becomes integrated with every action and process they come up with. So there is a process of building self-awareness taking place as a leader empathetically listens. The values are dug into and there is a constant dialogue around past, present and future in place. Continuous coaching for individuals and the team as a whole is happening on a daily basis. The leader in this role is the strategist, coach and mentor. The culture is formulated as people speak their minds. This is what happens within teams in large organizations, Martin, but gets unnoticed. As there is already a system and processes in place, here the system is not written in stone and the processes are agile, based on the agile learning that's happening constantly. Yes, so formulating a shared vision in smaller groups then remains very important just as it is very different. I've seen it require the leader to keep people focused and not chase too many great but unnecessary ideas. So any time you come up with a dramatic change or something really worthwhile, it's an engine of innovation for the individuals in the the group and they just come up with great ideas. One way I explained this to a small team, actually in a startup company that I was restructuring uh, following an early uh, failure, was to remind them that overnight success usually takes 15 years. And you know they, they said, well, no, it's an overnight success. I said, yes, okay. When we all first learned of the idea and the massive implications of what would happen if we did this right, it became obvious that we'd all be a household name in our industry. Okay. But in reality, if you can't get the first product or service out of the door to solve a customer's problem, or you can't get the first community service going, you don't need to worry about becoming an overnight success. Nothing will ever happen. So a new organization getting one innovative product out or, or starting a new community service takes everything the team members members have in them and every resource they've got. So new charismatic leaders recognize this and focus the team on the value of the goal that is to be achieved. And this is where the altruistic aspect of neo-charismatic leadership plays a big part. 
Yeah. They also make sure that there are sequential goals, each bigger than the last, that lead to the ultimate goal. So stretching, but not unrealistic to start with. So do it right, and you have a team that can hardly be stopped. And then, of course, they'll come up with product or service two, three, four, etc., etc. Yeah. So you're really putting a lot of time and effort in building that team more than trying to launch the project uh, the project or, or the product out or roll it out into the market. This is where, where the main difference is. You're investing in people. Building, formulating a shared vision requires all the prerequisites of the new charismatic leader to be in place. And the main difference is that the decision is not longer made at the top because there is really isn't a top level. Everyone is closer and the decision is still provisional and must be adjusted to suit the shared vision that is being built by the team. That much doesn't change. The decision is going to establish the norms and the culture of the group as it becomes more clarified, more focused, more realistic, more possible to apply and, and touches their values as their values become clearer to them. What I wanted to say here is that challenging the status quo is not something that will proceed here. It might be the, the other role, the fourth role, instead of the third role. And, and here comes the model again in play, the cyclic idea of, of traveling between all of that. So between these two stages, there is probably uh, alternating roles between these roles. There is traveling between role number four and role number three until the leader feels the the team is ready to move forward. Gada, I think you're right. The, the the time is shorter, no doubt, because you you do lack these resources and you've got to get something done. In fact, building on what you said, I think it, it, it is the leader's job in a small group to build the team and it's the group's job to get the product out or to get the new community service going or whatever it is. And it, it's sometimes hard because it's so much fun that the leader actually wants to do some of the doing themselves. But that can also waste your leadership resource. And that's something where you, you really can't afford to make that mistake. Yeah. But, you know, this, this is where leaders of new or emerging groups need to take care. None of the stages of neocharismatic leadership can be left out. Yes. So as we can go, we can jump from here to there, but we cannot leave, leave one out. You know, yes. We miss one at our peril. The temptation is to believe that all the involvement, the feedback, the learning and understanding of sensing the needs and then creating the shared vision has happened. But it needs to be tested for. Okay. The leader needs to seek assurance. It has happened. And I've seen it falter where these are the top causes the first one is the leader believes everyone shares the vision and they march off not stopping to look back and see whether everybody's still behind them yeah the second one is where the group members believe they have adopted the shared vision but disagreements arise over the direction not how to get there but the, the fundamental direction they're going in which which means you've missed the point again mm. and the third yeah sort of subgroup I find here is that some group members still think the goal is unattainable right at the beginning 
then put their weight for the group's benefit. So the, the leader's job is to weed those folks out because as excited as they are and as committed as they are, they're still going to drag the rest of the team back. And again, resources are short. You can't afford that. So in a small group, we still have to spend the time to cement that vision in place. Everybody needs to know it as well as we, the leaders, do. In newer endeavors, circumstances change faster than they do for established organizations. So it's not unusual that a slightly different direction is needed. Sometimes every week, you're learning about your market, you're learning about what your, what your customers or what your community wants from you, you're making adjustments. But still, the shared vision needs to be adjusted as well. Yeah. And the same as we coached for leaders of bigger organizations, just because we created a shared vision before doesn't mean we can skip it each time it changes. Mm-hmm. And so the pressure on the leader of a, of a new group is that you're, you're going to be going through this re-establishment of the shared vision continually. Yes. One might say until, until the group has actually got the first product or service out of the yeah. door, that's going to happen. So the act of visioning, as I call it, is really constant in vibrant groups. Yeah, I I love the word you used, uh, cementing the vision. And it means, for me, the leader is really putting the effort and rechecking constantly with people that this is what they signed up for. Because there is a difference between sensing people's needs and formulating a shared vision. Formulating a shared vision is is not a rare event that happens only when there is a strategic transformation decision to be made, as many people think. In smaller groups, the change is constant, as you mentioned, and the group tries out new activities, just like what you said, and learns from those activities what work and what doesn't work, which is the agile learning part. So visioning, as, as you call it, has to be a cyclic activity following evaluation and execution. But, you know, it has to be done in order to, to let the new or smaller group survive. It has to be done constantly, as you said. So I totally agree with, with what you've mentioned. If you hasten the process and jump from sensing people need to articulating the vision, skipping the whole process of the formulating the shared vision that we've just explained. And it's very easy to do that because when you're listening to people's needs and they express what their aspirations are from being part of this group, it sends a message to you that they are bought into what you want them to do. So that's that's the dangerous part here. And, and I really want to emphasize the thin line between the two you really need to check in because what, from our experiences as coaches, when we coach people, they begin the session with something. And by the end of the session, the whole direction of the session is changing because as they explore further their own thoughts and emotions around what they started with, they discover this is really not what I want to do. <laughs> yes. And you discover actually in the second and third and twelfth session that people are constantly changing. So this is why I'm saying it's a very important for the new charismatic leader to practice the prerequisites of new charismatic leadership with people, which is navigating their emotions through empathetic listening, navigating their personal visions, navigating their values, and also uh, being able to raise and build their self-awareness. And that in itself will generate the shared vision gradually so that by the end of the process, they have a compelling purpose that they are ready to work for together. 
Yes. When we were talking about neo-charismatic leaders in large organizations in the last podcast, we tried to contrast them to non-neo-charismatic leaders. But a question that I get asked quite a lot is, is it only a neo-charismatic leader that can start a new group and make it flourish? Because a small group would not survive if its members did not adhere to an altruistic purpose. True. Hmm. Mm. So, yeah, I had to think about that one quite hard. And I was trying to think of some examples. But looking through the evidence, almost all people who start groups are, in fact, neo-charismatic in that they enroll people for a good cause, whatever that might be, and they market it as a good cause. However, lurking under that intent for some, maybe the potential for that leader to take the group in a direction that most people would not consider ethical. And when that change is slow and methodical, some of the folks in the group may not realize that the group is no longer what they first thought it was. Mm-hmm. Usually the first sign they do notice is that new people who are joining the group don't seem to share the same vision or the way of doing things. Obviously, if we're not here to help leaders who want to subvert <laughs> visions of groups. Mm-hmm. We're here to support mm-hmm. the ones that want to grow. But the point is, if you are constantly rebuilding the shared vision, then only people that will agree with that shared vision will come in and join you. So you're still working towards an altruistic purpose that everybody in the group feels is ethical. And that becomes uh, it's like building the strength around a body cell against a virus, isn't it? You know, the virus is bad. The cell is good, yeah. generally, and yes. you know you want to protect that cell against the viruses so that it can grow and, and uh, prosper. Yeah. Um, an example, I think, to illustrate this, I once worked with a group that was formed for great environmental purposes. Uh, it was formed to make people more aware of their own impact on the environment and their family's impact and how simple things could be done to reduce that impact. Perfect, right? Yeah. Ethical. altruistic, (laughs) worth signing up for, and exciting. While the leader was building the group, all was well. The group grew to about 100 people, many of whom were now dedicated to the cause and really enjoying their work. Big organizations were hiring this group to be advisors or to speak (laughs) at conferences. It was amazing. But over time, the leader became incensed at how long it took for large organizations to adopt the changes that they wanted. And they started to use information gained while supporting these large organizations to defame them in public and cause considerable harm. So at first, the group members were unaware of this, and then they became concerned. And in the end, many started dropping off because they became an ethical mismatch. Yeah. So, so the tough question, Gada, is, is it possible to start out as a neo-charismatic leader and then lose your edge? Mm. What what stops leaders from doing this? Yeah, again, this is a very tough one, Martin. Leaders who have not had enough coaching or mentoring in place may move on the scale of altruism quickly or slide into the other end of altruism, which is egoism. Thus, it is very important for leaders to fulfill the prerequisites of their new charismatic leadership thoroughly before attempting to lead. This is a danger for motivated and full of energy young leaders specifically because they can be driven to the good cause out of a moment of engagement 
but not address enough their prerequisites for leadership. Most of the new charismatic leaders I have interviewed told me that their upbringing secured their altruism and it became a constant in their lives from an early age as they were growing up. If a young leader out there listening today and they feel they have mixed emotions and thoughts about where they are on the scale of moral or ethics, they should immediately seek coaching. If you spend enough time nurturing your new charismatic leadership prerequisites and altruism with an experienced new charismatic leadership coach or mentor, I can assure you this will never be a problem in your leadership in the future. New charismatic leadership is not inherent in your DNA. It's a learned behavioral process. Well done. You answered that tough question, which is uh, impressive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we made it through. <laughs> so I hope our listeners are beginning to feel that there are some really deep questions they need to be asking themselves, both now and all the time they're leading. So don't forget to send in your questions to our podcast through our website. And next time, we're going to start to address the second role of creating a shared vision, which is articulating the vision. Gada and I will be taking a break over the summer and we'll look forward to seeing you again yeah. in the early fall 2021. Thank you. Goodbye. Gada and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.